maybe it's for the best that I didn't rent that cabin for Halloween night. This world is a strange one. I really was planning on renting a cabin for Halloween, but when my wife and I traveled to the location to reserve the cabin, there was nothing there. No joke, the GPS took me two miles into the mountains. There were no houses, just trees as far as you can see. And once it said we arrived at the destination, there was nothing there but a pasture and a long tree line. As you're about to see with these allegedly true stories, maybe it's better to not hang around in a cabin in the woods. By the way, if you have a pizza delivery story, be sure to share it with us on reddit.com slash r slash darkness prevails so that we can use it in a future video. Number one, it almost got in the cabin. Submitted by Iced Earth Fan 666. Me and my friends, Ron, Mick, and Avery decided to spend a week in the woods. We went to a cabin that was owned by Avery's dad and the area was spectacular. There was a platform on a tree for hunting and a creek not too far south of the cabin. We all went to the creek to fish. Ron pointed out a decent sized snake in the fishing area. We all thought that was pretty cool. Mick took a picture right when a hawk swooped down and grabbed it. It was breathtaking and a little startling. We walked back to the cabin to make hot dogs. On the way there, we saw a lot of deer to the left and right on the trail, but the one that stuck out the most was extremely tall. We could only see its head behind one of the trees, but it stood a few feet higher than your typical deer. The thing was staring at us, which was odd. It was the first deer I've ever seen not just run away at the sight of humans. Mick and Avery were just looking at it, but Ron, for whatever reason, was trying his best to beckon the deer over to us until I said, it's not a freaking dog. We continued to walk back to the cabin. When we got there, Avery started the fire for the hot dogs. Me and Mick made a little competition of throwing a tomahawk into a dead tree while waiting for the food and Ron smoked a cigarette. The night was pretty normal. We had some good food and drank a little but do keep in mind, none of us were drunk. I don't think any of us were onto our second drink yet. We started talking about the apparently fearless deer we had seen earlier. Avery said he was examining the deer when he noticed something that we hadn't. According to Avery, the deer was much larger than normal. He claimed around the size of a horse. We dismissed this as just a rare specimen who happened to be that big. Around midnight, we all went inside the cabin to settle in. I was asleep pretty well until I heard something outside. It sounded like a buck call. It was deeper and just off. The sound got closer and closer, and then I saw a face in my window. It was the head of a buck. I could make out large antlers, and when it opened its mouth to breathe, I saw teeth that shouldn't have been that sharp teeth that didn't fit in a deer's mouth. Whatever it was, it was over seven feet tall because its head reached the top part of the window and its antlers went above it. In comparison, I'm six foot three and you would only see the top of my head from inside the cabin if I stood outside the window. 
I don't think the thing saw me because it stood there for a while. It left my window eventually and I thought that it was gone. But not two minutes later, I heard someone screaming. It was Ron. All of us woke up and ran into Ron's room. He told us something big had reached its arm into his open window, trying to get in, trying to get to him. Then I admitted my story as well. I told everyone about the face I just saw in my window. Avery ran to lock every door and window. All the while, we kept hearing that distorted buck call coming from just outside. Then we began to hear pounding on the walls and the doors of the cabin. I don't know what it was exactly, but I know it wanted in. It was trying its very best to get inside to us. We weren't about to go outside. Our only hope was daytime. Hopefully, it would leave by then, and if it didn't, I don't know what we would do. Luckily, Avery's dad did let him bring his shotgun to the cabin, so we did feel a little bit safer. By morning, there was no sign of the creature. We went outside, only to find hoof prints the size of a large man's feet. There were also deep claw marks on the door. We found dead deer on the roof of the cabin. We didn't stay there much longer. We booked it out of those woods as soon as we could. Ever since then, Avery and Mick have only been back a couple of times. As for me and Ron, we never went back to that cabin again. After the event, Mick has had trouble sleeping. He can't seem to get over it, and Ron is jumpier and more nervous than ever. Carnivorous dear man, let's never meet again. Number two, the haunted cabin by the river, submitted by Spencer C. Based on the title, you're probably thinking this story is about a creepy old abandoned cabin. Well, that's not the case. The cabin in this story is actually very modern and my friend still lives there with his family to this day. The cabin is in a very beautiful part of Montana, right next to a river. My friend Jeff has lived in this cabin for about 10 years. When I first met him, I thought his house was pretty cool. I mean, living in a big fancy cabin year round, surrounded by nothing but a river and woods, what's not to like? Well, apparently a lot. The first and only experience I have personally had with weird things happening at his house happened about two months after I met Jeff. Jeff had not said that his house was haunted. I think he didn't want to scare me or he was in denial. But after this, he told me about his experiences in the house. My experience took place in his theater, which was very creepy if the projector and screen were not on. We were playing on his PlayStation when all of a sudden the console just shut off. The lights were dimmed, so the room wasn't in complete darkness. The lighting was just enough to make out everything in the room, but not clearly. Jeff looked over at me, and I watched as the color in his face drained entirely. He then told me I needed to leave the room. I did as he said, and he was right behind me, 
we slowly exited the theater room. Once we were out, I asked him what had happened. He then told me that after the console shut off, he saw a silhouette of a man standing right behind me. After this, he told me about other things that had been happening in his house, things that had been going on all these years. I'm not going to tell you about all of them, but most of them were far more scary than what had just happened to us. Jeff said that every night at around five in the morning, the door to his bedroom would open and slam shut multiple times for about five minutes. He also would hear his voice being yelled from deep in the woods when he would go outside, his own voice. I remember this one time while we were on a Skype call, there was someone laughing in the background. It sounded like a child, though Jeff doesn't have a brother younger than him. He doesn't know exactly why his house is haunted, and because he lived in front of a river, Sometimes the rafters would often stop in his backyard. When they first moved in, a nice family stopped by while they were rafting, while Jeff and his family were outside. They said they were happy that someone had finally moved into the house. Jeff's mom was confused because there was an old couple who lived there before Jeff's family moved in. But the rafters said that they just assumed that the place was always empty because the house was always pitch black inside. There were never any lights on, and all the windows were always closed. Jeff has gotten used to all the paranormal activity in the house, but one question sticks with me. What happened in there to make it so haunting? Number three, the rude and terrifying awakening. Submitted by Biohawk 5. I was eight years old, and it was the summer of 2009. My parents and I were going to stay in a cabin at a campground called Kinzu for about a week or so. I had had many good times there. Dad and I used to camp out on an island in the massive lake and go fishing, but this was the first time we stayed at that cabin. The cabins we stayed in were pretty small. It was literally one room with a bunk bed and another bed beside it. The first day there, I called the top bunk and my parents went along with it. Dad just took the bottom bunk and mom took the other bed. We had fun on our first day. I remember riding my bike on the road that led to the cabins. I remember settling in that night. The bunk bed was wooden and it had a built-in wooden ladder to climb up and down on. Before falling asleep that night, I was reading a book for about 20 minutes or so. I woke up an unknown amount of time later, and it was pitch black in the room, and I just couldn't go back to sleep. I had no idea why. I laid there for a little while, closing my eyes and shifting positions, trying my best to fall back to sleep, and finally, when I was just about to drift off, I heard the worst, most horrible sound I have ever heard. <laughs> the best way I could describe it is demonic, deep laughter. And to my horror, it was followed by the sound of something climbing up the wooden ladder. Immediately, I screamed for my parents 
and the climbing suddenly stopped. I was bawling my eyes out and I told them what had happened. They didn't see or hear anything and they thought I had just had a nightmare. I ended up sleeping with my mom for the rest of the trip, but I still couldn't fall asleep for that night. I had a hard time the following nights as well. And to this day on my very own bunk bed, I can't fall asleep on the top. It just creeps me out too much. I want to believe that it was just my imagination. It can get the better of you at times. Then again, it horrifies me to think about what might have been climbing up that ladder. I don't think I wanted to see it. Number four, Close Call, submitted by Wolfcat Butterfly. I grew up in rural Indiana. Small towns centered around farming and blue collar work related to farming. Classic cases where towns were filled with people who all knew each other. Baseball, particularly the local little league travel teams, were the biggest events in the area. When the Colts weren't losing, they sucked back in the day. Those came complete with town barbecues, picnics, and parades. It was like something out of a movie, and the scene is still something I hold very dear in my memories, despite one dark event, which still haunts me. One day, I was attending my older brother's baseball game a few towns over. Now, when I wasn't physically playing the game, I could usually only stomach watching a few innings from the rough pine bleachers before I got too antsy. So about 100 yards away, towards the tree line, there was a busy playground full of children of all ages, a few of which I knew from the local teams. They were around my age. After running over and exploring the playground, which I'd never been to before, and playing a few rounds of tag with some of the other kids, a few of the others my age and I were approached by an older boy, most likely in his late teens from what I remember. He began talking with us, telling us some creepy stories about the town and the area around it. I remember him seeming very charming and entertaining in the way he told the stories. He had a relatively captive audience for a while. Soon, for various reasons, the other kids I was with either lost interest and walked away, or they needed to check back with their family by the ball field. So that just left me with the older boy. He spoke about a cabin he liked to explore, which was right inside the tree line. He said that two brothers had gotten in a fight a few years back. They began swinging axes and shovels at one another, and apparently, they ended up passing away from the injuries they gave one another. He said I was probably too scared to check it out with him, especially since I was so young. But being a young boy, I was always trying to prove myself to be tougher and more mature than my peers. So I insisted that his little story didn't scare me, and I would actually love to see the house and explore it for a minute. Now, I know what you're thinking, that I'm dumb for even going along with this and being alone with any kind of stranger but bear in mind that I was a young child. I was raised in a place where nothing bad really ever happened, and naively, I always assumed that everyone was as kind as the last person 
and always gave them the benefit of the doubt. So we stepped into the woods and instantly began going up a steep hill. When we had gotten to the top, we could see the ball field below through the trees. We then dog-legged to our right about 90 degrees and traveled along the top of the hill, which turned out to be more of a ridge. We then walked into a clearing, which was actually accessible by vehicle from the ball field. We cut across and right into another tree line. As we climbed this hill, I finally asked if the cabin was much further because I had assumed it was very close by. He assured me it was just over the hill and we continued on. I would later find out that around this time, my father, who had been watching the baseball game, finally noticed that he couldn't see me anymore. Looking panicked, another father who was a grizzled veteran and friend of the family told him they needed to get in his truck and look for me right away. The last place the other kids had seen me was the woods directly behind the playground, not the woods that we dog-legged over to. My father and the vet tore through the field in the pickup truck, disregarding the baseball game. The veteran, understanding how to evade people in the woods, correctly assumed that I had been lured away in a deceptive direction. They drove right up into the tree line below me, where I was about halfway up the hill with the stranger. They could see me in the trees and began coming towards me swiftly and aggressively. I turned to attempt to introduce the older friend I had made, but he must have taken off as soon as he heard the truck coming towards us. I was promptly scolded, but then embraced by my father and the veteran who were just happy to see me okay again. We later found out that there had been multiple kidnappings and cases of abductions from that park, and some of the children were found in an abandoned cabin that really was at the top of that hill, and what went on there changed their lives forever. I remember the boy who tried to take me. He was rather skinny with curly brown hair. I remember him looking like one of the older brothers from the Brady Bunch in the later episodes. To this day, I still search Google for arrests made in that area, and I've never seen anyone that resembles him, though it's been many years since that day. Ultimately, I'm extremely thankful of God and the swift action of those who saved me. I'm thankful for them rescuing me from either an early death or a life altered by emotional trauma. Don't go to a creepy abandoned cabin in the woods with a complete Stranger. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. 
June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And number five, Shadow of the Skinwalker. Submitted by Xanathar. It was late 1996 in a newer subdivision of an area called Pinnacle Peak, just north of Phoenix, Arizona. Our home was practically developed right over fresh desert with breathtaking rocky peaks in the near distance. The desert was actually federal land, and at the time you really weren't supposed to venture back there. But I was a teen in my junior year of high school. I loved to ride my bike back there, hike and tip junk to look for scorpions, I soon made a new friend, and he lived about two miles away. He lived across from another part of the desert. We would often go to this one area where there was a little alcove in the peak side. It was a cool spot that we loved to hang out in. Now I realize how scary it was to be back there. Rattlesnakes, scorpions, and jumping cacti would stick in you like fish hooks and even once we ran into a couple of guys driving a beat up pickup truck who stopped in front of my bike that was in their path. They threatened to run my bike over as well as us if we didn't move it. My friend and I said nothing and just moved it out of the way. But yeah, it was a pretty dangerous place. My friend and I rolled huge boulders from the top of the peak that would roll down smashing everything below. It was fun to watch Although we didn't think of the danger at the time, I would ricochet small rocks with my slingshot against other rocks and pretty much anything around. Later on, that friend of mine moved to Florida and I once in a while went back there by myself. One day I collected some jumping cactus so I could plant one in my yard because we had some loony neighbors. They were fighting with the homeowners association over his solar panels on the roof. This guy and his kids would graffiti fences and act out violently against all the neighbors. So I figured I would plant these nasty cacti under the fence, and if they jumped over, a stinging surprise would await. Anyway, when I was collecting these, an unmarked black helicopter came out of nowhere. Something in my mind said to get out of there right away. 
so I hopped on my bike and rode out as fast as I could back to my place, but it was well over a mile away. Eventually, I made it back home and I ran to the back ducking my head in the pool because I was about to get heat stroke. Moments later, that same helicopter was hovering right above our backyard. I didn't look up once. I remained calm and pet my dog. After a minute or two, it left, but it was really strange. Might I add that behind the area I was in, it was a shooting range for Luke Air Force Base. Now, this is where the true story really begins. Soon after this, I began to have really strange things happen to me in my sleep. I'm talking about suddenly waking up and finding myself swinging my pillow at something very violently and not knowing why. It happened many times, and often I would notice a ghostly cloud, face, or figure that would vanish as soon as I realized that something was there. Later on, I graduated, and I started a graphic design school that was in Tempe, Arizona. I would drive from my parents' house to the school very early in the morning, and once there, I would nap a couple of hours in the car before the school started. One day, I woke up to see a figure next to my window. I freaked out and I was wide awake, yet my eyes closed again and I could not reopen them. I had a knife in the door, so I tried to grab it, but I could not move anything. Moments after, I finally break free and I cannot figure out what had just happened. Years go by and I move back to Washington State where I grew up and my parents had moved back when I was going to school. I later met a woman and married her in 2001. I kept having the same ghostly cloud experiences every few months, and even a couple of times, my wife had witnessed the same thing. We would have fascinating conversations about my sleep, and she would say that often I would be sitting up in my sleep, eyes wide open, and talking in some ancient sounding language. She would usually nudge me and tell me to go back to bed, and apparently I would listen. We laughed and thought it was funny and just some harmless sleepwalking. 2004 arrives and we had moved to Texas in late 2003. We rented a small cedar cabin in Smithville, Texas. My wife then was working for the airlines and would not get home until anywhere around midnight to three in the morning. Well, one night in June of 2004, everything was about to change forever. I closed at my job and got off at around 9 p.m. I got home and was relaxing and listening to music. I fell asleep around 11.30 p.m. and my wife got home around 2.30 in the morning. After I went to sleep, I have no memory of events until I regained consciousness, which I will describe more into the incident. The following is my ex-wife's side of the story. She described as she pulled up to the cabin that she could hear what sounded like dogs running around our cabin and growling. She was creeped out by this and got inside quickly. Once inside, she could hear more growling coming from our dark room. She went to investigate and kind of forgetting about the dog growling outside, she sees me standing on the bed in such a way that seems inhuman and contorted. My mouth was just hanging down and my eyes went dark. It was very dark in the room, but at first she didn't think much of it 
and thinks that I was just sleepwalking a bit. She thought that she could nudge me again and I would just lay back down as usual. She was very, very wrong. As she got closer, she said that I leapt on top of her like a predator and began choking her neck. She describes not even wanting to look at me. She feared that something truly and exceptionally wicked had taken control of my body. She was so scared for her life that she kicked me away, but it didn't work, even though she kept kicking. After this incident, I didn't even have the slightest marks on my body from her struggling. As this is going on, she's screaming for her life, calling out my name and crying out for help. Somehow, I finally break free of whatever is controlling me. It's like my soul was held back and I slowly regained control over the fading power the thing had. I could hear the most horrid and heart-wrenching demonic screeching I'd ever heard. I could not imitate it no matter how hard I tried. When I finally realized something god-awful was happening, I tried to tell her that everything was okay now. When I spoke, my voice was not my own. If you've ever seen The Mothman Prophecies, the movie where Indrid Cold is on the phone and speaks in that low, creepy voice, that's exactly how I sounded. And I remember her saying, no, it's not you. A few minutes passed by and I was completely free of whatever just happened and back to normal. Needless to say, I was absolutely terrified. We both were. We were both in tears and we knew something had just attacked us, something that wasn't just some waking dream or night terror. Somehow, the bedroom door shut itself during the incident and my cat, Saber, was running in circles, creeped out as well. This cat loved me to death and was never afraid of me until that night. All of my weird happenings seemed to climax in that cabin. Well, my wife and I did not go back to sleep that night. I had to work in the morning and she went to church to get some holy water and spread it around the cabin. We both prayed, even though at the time I thought God and prayer were ridiculous. When I woke up in the morning as I went outside, the air was freezing cold. I could feel the hair on the back of my head stand up. I felt like something was outside, watching me, and it was angry. After that, roughly two weeks later, I was home alone at a sleep and woke up suddenly to see a statue of Apollo that we got from Walmart, except now its eyes were glowing blue. I thought the moonlight was shining in them, so I grabbed it and brought it into the dark. To my horror, the eyes were still glowing. I refused to give in to fear, and I put it on the floor and covered it with a blanket. Then I went to bed. After this, not one single time did I have any more ghostly clouds above me, no more talking in my sleep or eyes open, absolutely nothing. The only thing was after 2004, my relationship with my wife slowly went downhill. We had two children and in 2010 we divorced. Now in my home I do hear knocks in the kitchen and sometimes in the hallways, but I do not feel threatened by it. I met with some paranormal experts in 2008 who believed that it is possible that I attracted a skinwalker out in the Arizona desert by my teenage destructive or intrusive nature. 
and it had been following me all those years. All I know is that I'm no Bible warrior and never will be, but there's nothing wrong with just believing in God and asking for help when it's needed. And keep in mind, negative energy feeds from fear. I never drank or did drugs of any kind, and before this, I had never had any sleep problems. You can tell me I had night terrors, but personally, I know it was much, much more than that. Sometimes you just have to have your own experience to know that there is much more to our world than what meets the eye. There's nothing quite like the peace and fresh air of staying in a cabin in the woods. But when you head out to this lost luxury, be sure to understand what you're getting yourself into. Skinwalkers looking into your windows, murderous strangers stalking through the woods, and only a few inches of wood separating you from all the dangers outside. Be careful when you vacation in a cabin, because out there, locking your door is only peace of mind. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your scary pizza delivery stories at reddit.com slash r slash darkness prevails. Thank you. As always, stay safe out there and stay creepy. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.